right, thank you so much for allowing me to be back with you. And uh, let's just dive in. You know, I, I don't want to waste any time today, and I don't want to make you late for anything, but I want to make sure that we get all of this covered. Speaking about the Sabbath today, remember, when it comes to rules of faith and practice, it makes little difference what you think. It makes little difference what I think. What makes the difference is what does God say? What does the Bible say about faith and practice for the Christian today? Because the truth is the Bible trumps anyone's idea about how things ought to be. Uh, are you willing then, am I willing, to change our preconceived ideas of Christian living if we see clearly that the Bible teaches differently than we've been practicing. Are we willing to do that? And that's what we're going to take a look at today. What does the Bible say about a particular area of living for the Christian? The Bible tells us that God spoke into existence this world. God flung into space by the word of his mouth billions of galaxies. Science tells us there are trillions upon trillions of stars. This is how powerful our God is. And yet Psalm 139.14 tells us that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. God took time to create you. He you are a designer addition because he took the time to design you and create you. So God knows all about you. He knows that you're unique. The Bible uh, in the Hebrew that, that teaches us that with great reverence and respect, God made us because he made us in his image. How amazing is that? When we look around and see all of the beautiful things that are in the world, that the crowning achievement of God's creation is you, is me. The way he made us, the way our mind works, the way that we reflect God to the rest of his creation. What an amazing thing God has done for us that we are made in his image. So, I assure you that your life will not be running efficiently nor properly if it's not operating according to God's word. He made you. How many times has something not worked in your house? And uh, if you're a man, usually your wife will tell you if you happen to be married why don't you go and look at the, at the warranty book or at the book that we got that tells you how this works instead of just starting taking things apart. I have taken things apart and had enough to build two back and parts left over because I tried to do it my way instead of the way the designer made it to work and it just never works out well when I do that. Well, the truth is God made you. And you may be broken in the area that we're going to talk about today. 
But I assure you, God can fix you. The story is told of a man long ago in our country that bought the very first Model T Ford anyone had even seen in his area. And being a good Christian man, he wanted to take this around and share his blessing with everyone. He did that till people got sick and tired of him sharing his blessing with him, with his newfangled car. So one day, right in the middle of town, it breaks down. It won't start. It won't run. It's just sitting there. People are peeking out of store windows, looking and laughing. And he's got the side rolled up, and he's standing there scratching his head, just peering into the engine compartment. And all of a sudden, a second Model T Ford rolled into town, pulled right up behind his stopped stationary car. A well-dressed man got out, and he came around, and he peered over his shoulder into the engine compartment. And then he said to the man, do you mind if I fix that? He looked at him, he said, you can't fix this. I mean, this is the only one that anybody's ever seen until you came into town. Nobody knows how these things work. And the guy said, do you mind if I try? He said, well, you might as well. It doesn't run. It's not doing any good just sitting here. He said, good. So he went around, he fiddled just for a moment. And then he told him, he said, crank it up now. Sure. But he walked around, he grabbed that old crank, and he gave it a twist, and it cranked right up. Not only did it crank up, it was running smoother than when he got it brand new. And he was amazed, and he looked at the man, and he said, how did you do that? I mean, how did you even know what to do? And the man looked at him, and he said, my name is Henry Ford. I built that car, and if it breaks down, I know how to fix that car. Now, why did I tell you that story? Because I, there's something I want you to understand. God built you. And when you break down, when you're not functioning as you should, God knows how to fix you, if you'll let him. And that's what we're going to take a look at. I am amazed the Wall Street Journal, just a few weekends ago, let me see here, it is the weekend of, if I can pull it up here, Saturday and Sunday, May 8th and 9th, the headline on the review page is, What We've Lost in Rejecting the Sabbath. This isn't in a Christian magazine. It, it isn't even in a letter from some Christian figure. It's in the Wall Street Journal, front page. What we've lost in rejecting the Sabbath. And it reads, In 2019, North Dakota lawmakers abolished their state's Sunday trading ban Going back to the 19th century, business owners had faced jail time and a fine for keeping their doors open on Sunday mornings. It was America's last statewide blue law, and it went the way of the rotary telephone and the airplane smoking section. The bill's main sponsor in the state legislature claimed that a majority wants to make decisions for themselves, 
Ending the band, officials argued, would boost shopping and with it, revenue. How about that? So we want to make our own decisions, and we're going to do things that affects the bottom line. We make room for a lot of things, but when it goes against what we want, that's when we begin to change things. And so I want to tell you what the Bible says about Sabbath. We make room for a whole lot of things in our schedules, but rest is usually the very last thing on our list. The constant stream of busyness drains us. It drains us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. And yet we often forget that taking a day of rest is one of the Ten Commandments. God designed us. He wants us to rest and be refreshed so that we can make wise decisions and do what He's calling us to do in all areas of life. We've lived in a culture that has made busyness almost like a God. It's a sign of spirituality if we are so very busy. Multitasking is just the way of our culture. If you're only working on one thing, then you are a slacker. Surely you can do more than one thing at a time. But the truth is, science tells us that we don't do very well if we try to attempt more than one thing at a time. They both get done less than our capacity is to do them when we try those things. Oh, I know that there are times we don't have any choice. The orders can't come from above and we have to get it all done. And we try our best to do it. But you're not designed to work well that way, let me assure you. We really don't know how to rest and we certainly don't value it. In fact, we're often embarrassed if we get caught resting. I was telling Pastor Chad, when I pastored as a young man in a particular church, it was a country church, and uh, there was a lady, godly lady, that loved her pastor and family, but that lady would call me every single morning, Monday through Friday, sometime between 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning. And her first question was, did I get you out of bed, Pastor? It was so embarrassing to me that finally I got a telephone and put it on the night table right next to my bed. You should have been there the first morning she called and she said, did I get you out of bed, Pastor? And I said, no, no, you did not. And there is silence and she says, I didn't? I said, oh, no, you did not get me out of bed. She said, well, that's wonderful. It was so good to tell her every morning when she called, no, you did not get me out of bed, because I would hang up from that call and turn over and go right back to sleep. <laughs> Didn't bother me a bit, but it was embarrassing for her to catch me resting. We feel bad about it. Let me tell you what, in, we feel so bad about it that in several Asian countries, They've had to add a new word to their language in order to describe a person who has literally worked themselves to death. They've died 
because they take no time off. They work seven days a week, 12 to 15 hours a day. In Japan, someone would ask, I heard Yamamoto died. What happened to him? And they would tell him, oh, Karoshi. Karoshi, he worked himself to death. Ah, Yamamoto, always good worker. <laughs> How silly is that? And yet we do the very same thing, just on different levels. So does God have a plan to give us proper rest? Yes, he does. He calls it a Sabbath. And it's found even before the Ten Commandments. Pastor Chad read to us this morning, Exodus 16, where before the Ten Commandments were ever given, God established the Sabbath. On the seventh day, there would be nothing for them to gather. You know, when he began to leave manna and quail for them, some people would get uh, to the point that they wanted to have lots in reserve because it was hard to trust God daily. So they would eat all they could, and then they would try to save some for later, and it would always get worms in it and go bad, except for the sixth day. On the sixth day, they were supposed to get enough for two days because there was to be no work done on the Sabbath, but they didn't do it. Some still went out and looked. Others got still more than they needed, and God said, how long? How long are you going to disobey me? How long are you going to refuse to keep my commandments? So why did God do this? Did he not want us to have any fun? <laughs> no. In fact, God wants you to enjoy life. And he has designed a way for you to fully enjoy life. And we don't want to follow that way. We want to do it our way. And we end up messing everything up. So the first thing that I want you to notice is it is a commandment. I mean, God gave us ten commandments. And one of those commandments, you can find it in Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5. We read the one in Exodus 20, 8 to 11. I want you to notice a couple of things about this. It's the fourth commandment. It doesn't say anything about going to church. Not a word. Not that there's anything wrong with going to church on the Sabbath. That's fine. That's a good way to spend part of your Sabbath. As long as you're coming to church, if you're the pastor, that's not Sabbath to you. That's work to you. That's one of your work days. That means a pastor should have another Sabbath, another day that he does not work. This is the longest commandment. Did you notice that? Of all Ten Commandments, this one is the longest. Personally, I think it's because God knew this is the one that we would argue about the most. It's the one that we would tend to break the most often with impunity. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. No work emails. No work tweets. No work phone calls. You will do no work on the Sabbath. That's the way God designed you, so that you would work well, efficiently, and at your top level if you would take a Sabbath. 
For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, and the sea. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. I want you to notice it has the very same weight as have no other gods before me. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Remember the Sabbath. It's in the same list. And yet it is the only one that we look at and say, ah, yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, it's just the Sabbath. We're just supposed to be read. It's the very same one. God invented the work week. He could have made it last 10 days or 12 or 18. But God designed the work week to be six days. And most Christians really believe they can violate this and it has no consequences whatsoever because it really doesn't mean what it says. Or that's just for the Old Testament. Really? Is that the way you look at all of the commandments? Was murder just for the Old Testament? It's fine to murder now, but that's just for the Old Testament. Stealing is okay now. It was just a commandment in the Old Testament. You know? Stealing is okay now. Try it and see. It has consequences. And let me tell you, if you do not recognize and follow the Sabbath, it too has consequences. And we need to understand that. I realize we don't keep the commandments to be saved, but we do attempt to keep the commandments to be blessed and to avoid bad consequences. And even today, there are blessings if you keep them and consequences if you don't. The second thing I want you to notice is it is a witness. It's a witness. After giving the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, let's read what God says about this in Exodus 31. I'm going to be reading from Exodus 31, 14 to 17. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely, get this now, shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. And by the way, that's what Sabbath means. For some reason today, our connotation is Sabbath means go to church. Sabbath does not mean go to church. Sabbath means to rest, to cease from labor. We've added the connotation to worship, but the meaning of the word is actually to rest. It is to be holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day he shall surely be put to death. Just an observation here. There were four things. Adultery, murder, not honoring your parents, and not keeping the Sabbath that all carried the death penalty. I'd say that God was pretty serious about us observing those things. Now, you may not be put to death if you don't observe the Sabbath today, but the consequence is you are surely slowly killing yourself by violating God's design for your life. God puts great importance on this commandment. And he's not trying to punish us. He's trying to help us. Therefore, the children of Israel, and remember the book of Romans tells us, teaches us that we have been grafted in. You and I as Christians are a part of that. 
shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations, get this, as a perpetual covenant. Well, that seems to tell me that it lasted longer than just the Old Testament. We are to continue doing this. It's a perpetual covenant. It's a sign between me and the children of Israel for how long? Forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. Billions of galaxies, trillions of stars, and all of the other things He did here on this earth. And then it says, And God rested and was refreshed. Refreshed? God? Really? Literally, that word in the Hebrew means he breathed in. He took in breath. He inhaled. What had he been doing? He had been creating. How did he do that? He spoke out. He spoke out. He exhaled the worlds into existence. And then, on the sixth day, he created man by doing what? breathing into him the breath of life. So now he took a Sabbath. He ceased from his labor. He rested. He breathed in and was refreshed. And the Jewish people used this as a witnessing tool. Someone would come by their shop and say, I'll come by Saturday and pick this up. And they say, oh, no, 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 no. We're closed on Saturday. What do you mean you're closed on Saturday? Nobody closes on Saturday. That's a big day to do business. No, no, no. Why? An open door to tell about Adonai, about their God and what he had done for them. What a great witnessing tool. There's some people that have believed that today. They believe that they can do more in six days than they could do in seven days by honoring God and remembering the Sabbath. And if you don't believe it's true, ask Truett Cathy. He built Chick-fil-A by honoring the Sabbath. In fact, his first mall store almost would not rent to him because he was going to close on Sunday. And they said, you can't do that. You will not be able to pay your rent in this mall. This is a very busy mall. Sunday is the biggest day. And you won't be able to pay your rent. And he guaranteed the rent. And do you know that the number one restaurant in that mall that year was Chick-fil-A and they closed every Sunday and they still do it today? How many of you have pulled into Chick-fil-A to get sweet tea on a Sunday and then thought, oh man, they're not open today. <laughs> but it wasn't just that he was honoring God. He was doing what God said and look what God did to a person that verbally, outwardly honored him and the way they did business. Have you ever said this? I'd be fine if I could just catch my breath, if I could just breathe in. People ask you sometimes, okay, if you do this, what are you going to do on your day off? Wrong question. The question is not, what are we going to do on our day off? It should be, what are you not going to do on your day off? 
you're not going to work. No emails for work, no texts for work, no phone calls for work, no working, no reading, no building um, some sort of project, no labor. Just do those things that bring you rest. Don't be silly. God made provisions for emergencies. If your ox is in the ditch, get it out, even on Sunday. But let me tell you what. If your ox gets in the ditch every Sunday, you've got a management problem with your time. You can do better than that. And some people say, well, that's easy for you to say, but, you know, I have to work. On Sunday, I'm a doctor. I work in a hospital. I work in a factory. We work, you know, 24-7. And I often have to work on Sunday. Well, number one, nobody said the Sabbath was Sunday. That's when we just traditionally, as a church, observe it. Because we observe the day that God resurrected his son from the grave. The point is this. Whatever day it is. Select a day that fits with your work schedule. But one day out of every seven should be a Sabbath for you. Your pastor won't be able to take Sunday, or pretty soon you'll quit paying him because he won't show up here on Sunday because that's work for him. But he should select another day as a Sabbath. Am I right there? Uh, I see at least his wife is nodding. So, But it's serious. Numbers 15, verse 32. Now, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation, and they put him under guard. Well, I guess they did. The sorry rascal is a stick gatherer. He needs to be watched. You know, the problem wasn't that he was gathering sticks. The problem was he was doing it on the Sabbath. He was working on the Sabbath. And get this, because it had not been explained what should be done to him. Oh, it had been explained. We just read it a few moments ago. He is to be put to death if he violates this commandment. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. I'd say that's fairly serious. God is serious about this. Now, you may violate it today, and we may not stone you, but you're killing yourself one inch at a time. You're doing it for us. So let me assure you, if you don't schedule a Sabbath, then you will violate this commandment. And even though you won't be stoned, it is not going to turn out well for you if you continue to do this. Have you ever heard anyone say, well, I just tell you what, I'd rather burn out than rust out. As if those are the only two options they have. You know, you have to do one or the other. That is not true. And how many have considered that? How many times have you met someone who worked themselves all throughout their work career, never letting up? 
making as much overtime as they could, doing as many projects as they could, so the day would come when they could retire and they could then rest and do everything that they needed to do and wanted to do, and they died, <laughs> either just before or just after that retirement date. They had violated the way God designed them and made them, and they wanted to do it their own way, and it didn't work out well for them. I hear about it. I just heard about a friend of mine uh, and uh, one of uh, his son's friend had done the very same thing. And the day that they had his retirement party and he had tickets in hand to begin a trip around the world, he died on the way to the airport after the party. And never got to enjoy one bit of that because he worked himself to death. How many times have you told somebody they need a vacation and they'll respond to you, there'll be plenty of time to rest when I'm dead? As if that's a good thing, you know. Plenty of time to rest as if that's an admirable way to live. Remember, God made you. He designed you. And you'll work best when you follow his design. Well, lastly, it's a blessing. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28 read, Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, get this, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I didn't make you to serve the Sabbath. I made the Sabbath to serve you. I designed you in such a way that you need a day of rest out of every seven. It is for your benefit. It is for your good. You have to do this to function properly. It is a blessing, not a burden. It's that simple. It's believing and trusting God. There was a time in my ministry where I just felt like my mind was stretched like this big rubber band. And if one more thing happened, I was scared that rubber band was going to break. I didn't know what was going to happen then. My doctor was a good friend of mine in that small town. And I went to him and I said, Mark, this is what's going on. And he said, I think I know what it is, but sit down here. I sat down and he took out a pad. He said, let's mark down here. How many hours you worked last week? I said, last week's not a good week. He said, what do you mean? I said, I had three funerals last week. 
I was in and out of the funeral home, the hospital, the doctor's office, people's home. Not a, he looked at me and he said, Jim, I know you. It was a typical week. <laughs> you do that. You just exchange the things that you're doing. It's board meeting. Let's just do last week. He added it up. It came to 101 hours. He said, Jim, that's your problem. You're working too much. You must rest. You have to take some time and just rest. I know that you think the church will implode, that people will not go to heaven if you don't work, but God didn't mean for you to do it all. And you have to take some rest here. And he was exactly right. You know, people, when I tell them about this, sometimes they'll look, they'll say, so you're telling me I owe God, you know, 112 Sabbaths to catch up. No, no, no. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you owe you 112 Sabbaths. And I know you're not going to be able to do that. But one thing you can do is you can start now and do what God designed you to do. You can take that Sabbath every week and you can get as much rest as you can until you get back to the place where you really need to be because God designed you. He made you. He knows what you need. The Sabbath is a gift. Why in the world would we not accept this gift and follow this instruction from the Creator, the one who made us and knows how we function best. Why would we even think about arguing with him about it? Could it be that maybe we just don't trust God? We don't trust him enough to follow his instructions on how much rest we should get and how we should live our lives? So I guess the real question is, are you willing to believe God, what he wrote for us in his book, what he instructs us to do in our life? Are we going to trust him and obey him for our own good? Or are we just going to try to keep doing it our own way? Because we know better than God and we know what needs to be done. Bow with me, if you will as we pray together. Pastor Chad is going to come and close our service and uh, give you an appropriate invitation for this in just a moment. But before he does, I just want to ask you, what is God saying to you? What has he had to say to you? I haven't told you really what I thought about this matter. I've tried for us to take a look at what the Bible says about the matter of resting and observing Sabbath and doing what we should do because that's the way God created us and made us. So has God spoken to your heart? Are there some changes you need to make? What is God saying to you as Pastor Chad comes?